Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome, Decode Your Burnout fans, to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. And I am so excited today to share with you my new guest, Tracy Bingaman. Now, Tracy is a working mama who suffered from severe burnout. She quit her job and created balance and peace where there was frenzy and chaos. Now, she teaches working moms to have more time and more money than they know what to do with. That sounds pretty good. (laughs) Now you can find her loving her husband, pup and kids chasing her dreams, skiing, uh, reading fiction books and enjoying a well mixed margarita. Tracy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we're all excited to kind of dive in and hear a little bit about what maybe some people aren't. so excited to to talk about really normally, which is burnout. But I find that when people share their stories, it helps other people understand themselves, what they're going through. And I also think that our our mission here on Decode Your Burnout is to, you know, when you're listening to the show, find somebody whose personality profile really aligns with your own, because then um, what has helped them may help you as well. So Tracy, I'm going to let you have the floor. Please share with us a little bit about, you know, your background, what kind of led you to burnout and where you ended up. Sure. So I have been a surgery PA for coming up on 10 years. So I am a hard driving, um, person who likes to achieve and get things done. I love fast paced, high acuity medicine. And so I was practicing surgery for 10 years. Absolutely loved what I was doing. I loved the surgeons that I was working with and the work that I was doing. What I didn't love was how much I was working and also how much I was bringing work home with me, whether it was logistically to chart at home in the evenings or just that I was carrying the burden of the heavy weight of what I was doing during the day home. And during my season of burnout, looking back, I can see that I'm really embarrassed at the way I was showing up as a person and the way I was treating my friends and my family and even myself, because I was leaving it all on the field. I was pouring into work, pouring into work. Like that was the only thing I had to do. 
and work loved it. They loved me. I was super productive member of the team. I was the person who was raising her hand to volunteer for new positions and committees and to do all the things until suddenly my body said, Hey, this isn't happening anymore. And so I was working on average 55 to 60 hours a week, Monday to Friday. So that's five, 12 hour days. If you're doing the math and I have five kids and a reasons to be home for dinner. So I was, I was missing dinner and bath and bedtime. And those, those moments of life as a working mom that you really find yourself looking forward to because I don't see my kids during the day because I'm at work or I don't see them because they're at school. And I just reached this point where there was one day I worked 12 hours during the day. I was working a 16 hour call shift overnight and getting ready to go back to the hospital for 12 more hours. So my call was actually overlapping. It started before I left the hospital and it ended after I showed up the next morning. And at some points we were getting 10 calls an hour. So it was just insane. It it worked out to be a 36 hour stretch that I was working straight. I'd been up all night and my youngest, my only girl, um, got up out of bed. I was on the phone with the hospital working, working. I'd been up all night and she came and stood at my feet. I had my laptop balanced on my knees and she said, mama up. She wanted me to pick her up. And I said, honey, no, mama can't. I'm on the phone. I have a guy who needs a helicopter and transferring patients. And she's of course too. So she doesn't care about that at all. (laughs) She she looks me right in the eye and she says, mama, you're stupid. Whoa. Excuse me. I'm, I'm sure she learned that from her four older brothers because she has, is very astute and picks up on things that they say. And something in my heart just shattered because I realized that she was right, Mm. that I was being stupid. And that job that I loved so much and that busyness and that being needed by the hospital that I wore like armor against the rest of my life, it was no longer serving me. And so that for me was the turning point. I, um, like had a big emotional meltdown, still had to go to work. (laughs) So, um, And that day my husband looked at me and he said, you need to resign today. Uh, And I actually waited one week and I resigned one week to the day later. And I quit that job that was making me who I didn't want to be and showing up in the world as not what I wanted to do. And also turns out was making me physically ill, um, which we can get into a little bit later. Um, But yeah, so my, my daughter called me stupid and I realized that I was, and I quit my job is the, (laughs) that's the party line. Wow. What a story. That's unusual, right? To have it come from your kid. Yeah. Wow. So um, I'm curious, well, you've mentioned a couple of times about like your body kind of gave out, you were physically ill. Tell us a little bit about what you noticed was happening. And um, clearly one of the things that you were aware of was how many hours you were working Mm -hmm. and how you just didn't have enough time for the things outside of work Mm -hmm. that maybe was kind of bugging you in the background. Um, But what else were you noticing? Yeah. So I definitely was not sleeping. So I had, as someone who had always slept really well, developed insomnia, I would sleep two, three hours a night, wake up, 
and be up for the rest of the night, either anxious in my own head or just unable to fall back asleep. I, uh, as a young, relatively healthy, early thirties year old woman, I developed pneumonia. Um, I think just because my immune system was so run down from no rest and all work. And I think I was just maxing out like every day I was redlining, like stress, stress, stress every day. Um, after I recovered from that pneumonia, I went back to work and one day in the operating room, actually I had to scrub out of a surgery, um, because my heart was just pounding. And I said to my surgeon, I don't know what's going on. Something's wrong. I can't quite catch my breath. And my heart rate was 200 beats per minute. And so normal's like at rest, you know, 60 to 80. And so I was triple that, um, at rest with no reason. And so I headed to the ER and was diagnosed with hyperthyroidism. Wow. So I have an autoimmune form of hyperthyroidism where my immune system got confused and thought my thyroid was an invader. And now it tells it to produce lots and lots of thyroid hormone inappropriately. So when I don't really need it. Um, and so I think all of those things made me realize I thought I was fine, even up until the moment that I was in the ER with severe tachycardia. I thought I was fine. I thought it was normal. I thought the way that I was feeling, it's just how working moms feel. We have a lot of things going on, a lot of balls in the air. I'm just going to feel exhausted and bone tired for the next 18 years. And then my kids will all move out and magically things will get better. That's not real. Like that's not how it works. Um, so yeah, my, my body was whispering to me and I ignored it. And then suddenly it started yelling because it was sick and it needed me to slow down and rest and make some serious changes for the sake of my own mental health and physical health and my relationships, like everything in my life improved after I realized that what I was doing wasn't sustainable. Yeah. And it's just so fascinating to me to hear all of these things. And then this idea that this is normal, that you're okay, that I am, ex I know I'm exhausted. Like I'm not sleeping. You're in the ER, right? Like mm -hmm. all these signs are showing up and the thought is still, I'm fine. I'm so, what I, so what I want to find out from you is where did that idea come from? Because usually there's some sort of early life experience that kind of shapes our values or our way of being in the world, our belief system. Any ideas about where this came from, this idea that you need to drive yourself, you need to redline every day, and that whatever you experience as you kind of are falling apart is part of the package and that's normal? So I think for me, it was that my mom did working motherhood so well that she made it seem easy. Mm. So when I was trying to do all the things that she did and show up in all the places and really lean in and achieve, and I was struggling, I felt like instead of saying something is wrong with the demands I'm putting on my body, something is wrong with what I'm being asked to do, something is wrong with my lack of boundaries, I just assumed I needed to try harder. And that's not the, <laughs> that's not the, if you're burned out, 
trying harder is not going to fix it. Doing more is not the answer. So it sounds like you were having a vision of your mom in the background and constantly making the comparison between you and her. And like, if mom was able to do all this, I should be able to do it too. And if I'm not successful, it just means I'm not doing enough. Right. And I think that growing up, I, there was a lot of external validation for what I was doing. So like you do well in school and you get an award or straight, you know, or some commendation for doing that. You get accepted to PA school, like hooray, you're the president of your class, like yay, everyone, those external trappings of success. That's what I thought it was about. So honestly, a year and a half ago, when I was deeply, deeply burned out, if you looked at my life from the outside, it looked amazing, right? It, but it didn't feel okay. So I had built this life that looked like I thought it should, and it was felt like it was unsustainable. And so the thing that I realized first on this journey to burnout is I started saying first to myself and then out loud to people in my inner circle, I can't keep doing this. And I kept saying that over and over. I can't keep doing this. But I also felt like I was so busy and so deep in the burnout. I didn't have time to figure out what to do instead. Mm. So I just kept doing it. I kept saying, I can't do this. And I kept doing it anyway. That's super interesting. And I, I bet a lot of people are dealing with that same issue. So if somebody's listening to this right now and they're deep in burnout and they're like, I don't even have time to figure out what to do instead, what would you tell them? So I would challenge them to create some space to figure out what you can't do and what you can actively take off your plate. So if you're saying, I can't do this anymore, maybe you can't quit your job and maybe you can't quit your marriage or don't want to, or, and you can't quit your kids, right? So those are things that are maybe non-negotiables, but what tasks or obligations either real or that you've made up for yourself, can you take off your plate and so make a to don't list, like make a list of things you're not going to do. Yeah. Well, that, that would be a great thing to, to be able to do now. Tell me what were some things that maybe you made up? Oh, I was the only one who could do anything right at our house. So I, my husband, who was a single dad before we met, is perfectly capable of making a meal plan and feeding humans and doing dishes and laundry. <laughs> I know because they weren't all naked and hungry when I showed up, right? So like, I know he can do those things, but he wasn't doing it my way. So naturally, I took on those roles and decided I was the only one who could or should properly do any various laundry list of domestic tasks. And if you find that is you offloading some of those things and also letting go of the outcome, right? So like <laughs> they might not do it the way that you do it. You can ask for uh, help from a friend. You can get help from your partner or your spouse, or you can Instacart the darn groceries and get someone else to shop for you because the $12 that you pay for the Instacart delivery is worth the time to create margin in your life because you don't find 
you don't have the time to dig deep and figure out what's going on if you don't create margin. And most people who are in the depths of burnout are rushing from daycare drop-off to work, rushing from work to soccer, rushing from soccer to dinner, rushing from dinner to bed, rushing their kids are in their bed. They're doing the dishes. They're going to sleep. And like, when are you going to figure out why you're burned out? When are you going to figure out how to walk your way out if you're not creating margin? So for me, offloading tasks and creating some margin so that I could have time to think and say, is this what I want for my life? What would I do instead? How can I get out of this situation? And then you can start to make change in your life, but not without margin. Without margin, it's just rinse and repeat. You're doing the same day over and over again. So just to recap what you said, when when you're talking about margin, what I'm hearing is you're encouraging people to take some things off their plate that give them some space in between tasks or between work yeah. and, you know, in that transition period between work and your life so that you have some downtime to recover. Yeah. So you can take so some rest, breaks to rest and not just like flop on the couch and Netflix, but like actually do things that are going to rejuvenate your mind and your body. And also if you don't like the way your life is, it's going to take time to plan out what you want it to look like instead and how to impact that change. And if you're running from one thing to the next, you're not going to have the time to to make the plan or to execute the plan to get out of where you are. So that's actually a really important piece that I hope people are hearing. Um, planning takes time. And when it feels like there is no time, there's not enough time for the things you already have, I can understand how people might skip that step. But it's kind of like if you want to go on vacation, you don't just show up in Hawaii, you have to plan when am I going to go and I have to look for a plane ticket and I got to pack a suitcase and all of these things take time. It's part of the process that gets you to that spot so you can enjoy your vacation. And in the same way, I think we have to apply that principle to our lives and really sit down and think about what would make my situation more bearable. And I need to give myself some time to reflect and to think about it. As a matter of fact, I just did this exercise yesterday where I'm constantly refining how I show up in my business. And I, um, I've taken some things off my plate and I've really like, I'm in this process of streamlining. So I went through my entire calendar yesterday and looked at what are the tasks that I'm doing? And I want to spend like 70% of my time on content creation, Mm -hmm. kind of like what we're doing right now. And the other 30% on service delivery, as well as administrative tasks and whatnot. So I had to really look at all the things that I'm doing and like which category they fall into and what percentage, and then what can I shift around? What can I take out? And that took time, Mm -hmm. right? But it's like, if I don't do that, my calendar will not change. And then I'm going to be in reactive mode. And then, you know, you still end up having the same results over and over again. So you have to give yourself that leeway to examine your life and think about, like you said, what are some things you can outsource? What are some things that you can get rid of altogether? And if your husband is plenty capable of doing some of the household chores, let him do them. Even if it's not the way you would have wanted, even if it's not as perfect as you would like, at the end of the day, is it really that important compared to having that time to recover? And then you said something really beautiful that I'd like you to maybe go a little deeper with, which was even when you have that time, 
It's about what you do with that time mm. so that it actually counts towards your recovery. So you mentioned Netflix, which I know yeah. a lot of times when people are just wiped out, like that's all they want to do. They just yeah. were like, I just want to sit on the couch. I want to like hit a button, have something on the screen. Maybe I get a laugh out of it. What's wrong with that? So if that's what you have consciously decided that you need in that moment, go for it. But I would challenge you if that is your default form of rest is distracting yourself with TV or Instagram scrolling or whatever it is that you do to kind of veg out or zone out during those times, you're not in active pursuit of rest, recovery, rejuvenation, or even just going deep inside yourself and trying to figure out what you actually need. So if that's what you need, if you're hungry for clarity, if you want a better life, if you don't want to feel like you feel today, the way you felt yesterday, look for opportunities to actively rest instead of just vegging out and and just totally tapping out. And so what if I love Netflix, we watch Netflix on the regular, but What if instead of as soon as the kids go to bed and the dishes are done, you flop on the couch and watch Netflix? What if you spent 15 minutes meditating or two minutes meditating and 10 minutes journaling and three minutes reading a book that made you laugh? And then you push play on Netflix or then you set a timer and watch 30 minutes of Netflix and went to bed early, better yet. And so looking at, say, I only get this one hour to myself and I just want to veg. I totally get that. But what if you take just little chunks and try to infuse something into that time? That's actually going to make you feel better because binging three episodes of Netflix and going to bed late doesn't make you feel any more rested the next morning. I love that. And I think that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot packed into what you just said. And it really had me thinking about a couple of different clients that I've worked with, because this kind of thing comes up a lot. And especially because you've probably figured out by now you're a doer in terms of your personality. And I work with a lot of doers, doers, you know, really burn out because they overextend themselves. And sometimes what happens is when they come home from work, Like, let's say they were able to get everything done. They get home and now they have time on their plate. Sometimes they don't even know what to do with themselves. And because they are, you know, they always have these never ending to do lists. They're like, well, I have all these things that I still need to get to that I I never have time for. Let me do those things now. But what happens is you really just need to rest. You really just mm-hmm. need to recover. And it's, so I think one of the things to note is that when you have time for yourself, it's not about like, let me get more done, mm-hmm. right? On the one hand. And the other thing is when it comes to, are you going to do more? Are you going to Netflix? Or are you going to do what you said, which is do the things that are going to really help you recharge. I think it's so important to check in with yourself. What do I need right now? And one of the ways I I like to talk about this to really help people have something that they can relate to is think about your phone, right? This is something that we're so, we're so like in the know when, when we pick up our phone, the first thing we do is we, we check to see like, how much is my battery level Mm, right now? mm -hmm. And based on that, we make a decision 
about do I plug it in or do I keep running with it? Right. And I think we need to do the same kind of check in with ourselves where we say, you know, I'm at 10%. Mm. And then asking another question, like, so now my options are I could Netflix, I could meditate, I could go for a walk, I could journal, I could read a book, I can go to sleep early. Um, Which of those would really increase my battery level as opposed to, you know, sometimes we say we want a Netflix, but we're not going into it consciously, as you mentioned. And so one question that you might use to kind of tune into that battery level is asking yourself, when you get up off that couch, do you feel more charged up, less charged or about the same, right? If you Mm -hmm. started at 10%, are you now still 10%? Are you now 20% or are you close to zero? Because that'll give you a good indication of, is this something that really helps you recharge or does it keep you at the same level, right? I think we need to start thinking about our activities in terms of how they kind of apply to what we need in this moment. And to your point, I think there's nothing wrong with Netflix. It's just about when you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So having having that intentionality is important. Right. What are you hoping to get out of this time? And uh, is that activity that you're choosing the path of least resistance, or is it the thing that's really going to get you to where you want to be in an hour? And one of the things that I think is like a trap for doers is if I said to you back then, Tracy, you should take 15 minutes to meditate. <sighs> no, I would have <laughs> laughed. I would have laughed. Like yeah. That. Right. Cause the sure. things people usually say is I don't have time to meditate. Seriously. Yeah. You've got to be like, who's me. got time for that. I'm already like up to here with everything I need to do. So what would you say to somebody who's still in that doer mode? They're burning out and they're like, I'm so I'm, su- I'm such a pressure cooker. You got to be kidding me. How am I going to find 15 minutes? So this is something that has been really helpful to me along the same lines of what you're talking about. Does this activity bring you more energy and make you feel more charged or less is to look through your day for energy vampires. So there are things that suck our energy and our time both. um, And they may or may not be things that we need to be doing. Sometimes they're things that we've always done, but when we evaluate it, we maybe don't even need to be doing them anymore. So if you could take a look at your calendar for today or the week and find one or two things that they're the things you're dreading. They're the things that you see on your calendar. You're like, oh, I hate for this is a great example for me. I love the fact that we are food secure and that our kids get to eat lunch. I abhor being the one to pack the actual lunch for them. I do not know why I don't mind packing breakfasts. Don't ask me why lunch gets me, but I, I just like, I have to choose a main dish and a vegetable and a side and they don't like it. And then it comes home, not eaten. And it's just this source of like major frustration for me. And so you got five I, kids to do for that was a lot of like our older <laughs> ones pack their own, like they've graduated, they're doing their own lunches. But it, when I was deep in burnout, I wish I would have approached this another way. But one day in like a fit of like burnout rage, I said to my husband, you have to pack the lunches. I just can't do it anymore. I need you to pack the lunches or else it's not getting done. I'm refusing. I'm I'm on a boycott. I'm on a lunch boycott, which is not the best way to get your partner on board with doing something. But um, 
from that day forward, my husband and my kids have taken a more active role in packing their own lunch and I don't have to do it anymore. And so instead I can exercise. So I swapped something that made me mad. I don't know, unexplainably so for something that makes me feel good. And my kids are still getting fed. Like they're, they're fine. Yeah. And I think in the same way, like all the things you mentioned, like whether it's laundry or anything else that your, your husband was able to take on, especially if he's a stay at home dad, that you don't have to do double duty. Right. And I think sometimes as women, we've been so programmed to do everything, right? Mm -hmm. Like you saw your mom do everything. And it's like, we think like, that's what we have to do. By default, you're the default parent. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And so I think there's definitely something that needs to shift. And speaking of which, what would you say to somebody who grew up in a very similar environment where all of their accomplishments were praised? So they've been conditioned to be a doer. How do you like for I mean, obviously, it's possible to change because you have right. You're no longer in that situation. Um, so kind of two part question. How did you change or how would somebody who is currently in that doer mode mentally come out of it? And is it possible to do that without quitting your job? Yeah. So I think it's absolutely possible to do a lot of this stuff and have this transformation without quitting what you're doing or changing what you're doing externally. Um, For me, it has been and still continues to be an ongoing journey where I have had to realize that I am worthy just because I am. And that's the end of that entire sentence. And so it is not, I am worthy because I do. Um, like we didn't, we're not human doers, we're human beings. And so the fact that I exist means that I am worthy of love and praise and support, whether that comes from inside of me or from the world, that does not matter as much as me understanding my own worth. And that is something that I still struggle with on a daily basis because it was about external things for a really long time. Well, it's also just being conditioned to think in that way. Right. And so what I'd like to end on is this idea that if you're a doer and you're starting out from this place of, I need to do enough in order to feel valuable. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is to get to this place on the other side is you need to believe that I am enough just because of who I am without me having to do anything or prove anything Mm. or accomplish anything. What gets you from point A to point B is doing a lot of inner work and that you don't have to figure this out on your own. That actually coaching is one of the things that helps get you from point A to point B. So I just want that message to be really clear for people out there who are struggling because this is a real thing. And, you know, I I mean, I'm so glad that you're sharing the story and hopefully gives it gives other people hope. Um, 
because we are conditioned by our early life experiences and uh, thank goodness sometimes for our two-year-olds who are able to yes. wake us up <laughs> into the reality of the situation <laughs> and uh, what a phenomenal turnaround story. So thank you for being here and sharing that Tracy. Um, and then I know that you had some very specific tips that you wanted to share. So um, let's, let's hear those now. Yeah. So if you have been listening to this entire episode and thinking that's great for her, but I am real burned out over here. Um, here are a couple of things that helped me along the way. So I reframed self-care and started calling it my basic needs, which to me felt a lot less indulgent and a lot more necessary. And so if you can sit down and determine what your basic needs are, and start meeting one of them each day, whatever that is you choose for you. If you can do it in the morning, bonus points for that, because it makes you feel like you're starting the day with a win and taking care of yourself first so that you can show up and take care of everyone else really well. The next one is to create a clear enforceable boundary. You can start doing this with yourself. If there's something that you've been saying yes to or doing or not doing that you wish you were doing and then stick to it, start with the boundary with yourself and then extend it to work and home and other people who are kind of vying for your time, creating a boundary that I don't answer my phone after 8 PM or whatever it is for you. Um, that's going to help you. And the third one, which we touched on during the episode is to treat your rest like it's active. So to be actively choosing what you need in that moment and to restore your mind and your body and your spirit with whatever you can tune into and discover that you need during that time, instead of just pressing play on Netflix. Um, so those are three things that have helped me along the way, a little tangible tips for you to take because creating that margin, making those basic needs a priority, those things are really valuable and sort of coming back to yourself in this burnout journey. I love it. So really how to create a margin and start to shift your life out of burnout. Thank you, Tracy, so much for those tips, for sharing your story, for being here with us today. And uh, you, you have a very beautiful story to share so it's been an honor having you on the show. If somebody is interested in reaching out, getting in touch with you, how can they do that? Yeah. So my favorite place to hang out on the internet is on Instagram. I'm at Mrs. Tracy Bingaman. And my show is called Fulfilled the Podcast, soon to be called Fulfilled as a Mom, where I talk about all things working motherhood. I share a lot about burnout, recovery how to manage your time and money well, so that you have more choices in your life and you can choose the things that matter most to you. Wonderful. So check out Tracy on Instagram and on her podcast. And uh, thank you again for being here. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.